Welcome to Dragon Talk. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, guess a slow clap for that I, one. I wanted to downplay it a little bit. I feel like I go up high in energy and wanted it's, to. We want people to be excited. They're about to listen to Dragon Talk. Yes, that's it. We are the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I am Greg Tito, and that amazing intro was by Shelley Beth Noble. Yeah! Woo! Shelley! Yahoo! We love you, Shelley! I love you, Greg, my baby! Give us your C3PO! Oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> oh no, you've lost it. You've lost it. You gotta get back oh, to your C3PO. I can't. That was the studio audience imitating me, imitating C3PO. <laughs> There's layers. There's here. so many layers. It's very complex here at Dragon Talk Studios. Just like managing the relationships uh, between your Dungeons and Dragons group, your best friends, and growing up in middle school. Oh boy. Why? Really? The memories. We're going back. We're going back. We yeah. today are talking to Molly Knox Ostertag as the writer Yay. of Dungeon Club, Roll Call, and Xanthi Boma as the uh, artist oh. drawing all this amazing graphic novel stuff. Dream team, let me tell you. Such wonderful folks, and we'll talk all about those middle school years. Some call them junior high. Uh, I was actually... I. In my town, it was it was called the junior high, and then they changed it to middle school, like, right as I got there. Really? Yeah. Was that, like, a cooler change for you, or was it like, man, junior high was so much better? I think it was the idea that it's not, it's this is not high school light. Right. Middle school is its own thing that has its own, as we know, problems and uh, challenges for, for kids going through it. So it was this yes. idea of being... You know, it's not just high school, but smaller. Right. It's a middle school that's all about being a middle school. Yeah. That's what they told me anyway. And then they cut like all the, the programs that they, they helped wow. the second year. Because they're like, well, we don't have any money. We spent all this money rebranding our, our school. <laughs> <laughs> we, have to, we have to cut your music program, kids. Isn't that the plot in the uh, the pilot of <laughs> Abbott Elementary where they get a oh. grant and then they spend, uh, the principal spends it all on the sign? For, oh, yeah. For the school. It was basically that. Yeah, they changed yep. the sign of the middle there school. There you go. So, you know what would have made middle school better is Dungeon Club. What? It would have, right? Great Being book. able to weed, wield your swords and your spells with your friends and yes. navigating the morass that is uh, adolescence. School. No, uh, puberty. That's the word <laughs> I was looking for. Puberty. And oh, yes. In the social norms of all that happening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so now you, kids yeah. can do that, right, Shelley? Yes, Greg Tito, they can. And if you are a kid, happen to be listening to this fine podcast, if you are a parent of an elementary, middle school, high school uh, student, if you're a teacher, a librarian, and you want to bring D&D into your classroom, we are here to help Starting later this month, we have D&D-inspired teaching kits that will be rolling out into schools. Any teacher, uh, educator, parent can go um, download those materials and um, give your kids 
a great adventure right there in the classroom. They can learn all about D&D, about world building, creativity, collaboration, helps with the social, emotional, the math, the reading, but don't tell them that because we don't Mm -hmm. want them to know they're actually learning. We also have our new um, afternoon of adventure kits, the D&D After School Club Kit. And if you uh, want to start a club in your school, library, community center, backyard, whatever, get this kit. And it includes everything you need to get that club going. Um, And we are very excited to bring D&D to these fine children because they need more D&D. They definitely need D&D. And we've certainly talked to a lot of educators and people running these clubs and, and, and you know, high fives to all of you doing this without any resources. But now we yeah. have the resources available free yeah. of charge, I will yeah. also say, and for also, you to start playing uh, D&D. Even if you don't know how to play D&D yourself, you'll you figure don't out need to know. Yep. how it, to get those folks doing it. So absolutely. I know most of the people listening to this are D&D fans, but tell your librarians, your educators, uh, the people in your lives, get more D&D playing and we will have better students, and better people. We will. And we know that D&D is a very, very powerful learning tool. And if you have played D&D, then you know this. And just right. imagine what it was like when you started playing D&D, maybe as a kid yourself, maybe when you were 10 years old. And wouldn't it be cool to be able to have a D&D club right there in mm-hmm. your school or in your classroom. so It improves your intelligence score. It improves your mm-hmm. wisdom score. And it improves your charisma scores. It's all I the agree. mentals are all improved just by playing Dungeons and Dragons. It's like a magic item for you. Yes. And I would say if you are a parent and you have the time, maybe you could be the one to start the <sighs> club at I your know. kid's school. I am... Very seriously considering it and also very seriously dreading the email from the PTA when they say who wants to volunteer to start a club. I'm scared of my response. I'm scared that I'm going to say, I do. And then You know what we should do? (laughs) We should do swapsies. You should do the... Co-DMing? No. Well, we could totally do that. Actually, we should do co-DMing. But I was going to say if it's it's weird DMing for... uh, you know, kids that are in Quinn's class and group, we could, you, I'll do that one and then you can do the one in my kids' schools. And so, therefore, it, we're. I'm not going to middle school. <laughs> are You're you like, I will not be me? walking into Madison at Those all. Those kids would eat me alive. No, they would smell fear and they would attack. They would, I would oh, be stuffed I in a locker. You. For and, a moment, I had you and you were you like, know, oh, we could do this. But no. we could co DM. Let's do that. Instead, I yeah, I'm trying I'll be your to figure out if like wing DM. Yeah. Yeah. I would love that because I completely lack confidence. But I feel like if they don't already know how to play, then they're not gonna know if I don't know what I'm doing, right? Right. That's how I go through life. I mean, just fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. As long as they're yeah. having fun. Exactly. The power of yes, the rule of cool, like whatever. Just yeah. have fun. Uh, I didn't know I do how to f- write a book until uh, you helped me just write Welcome until, to Dragon Talk together. And, and I, just just keep putting words down. Keep writing. Keep <laughs> writing until we say stop. That's pretty much all I needed. <laughs> yeah. And then you'd be like, hmm, you didn't really write enough. And I'm like, I did. And um, we had a shared doc, so I actually could see <laughs> if you were writing. Yes. No, it's like, wow, the word count is just going up, up, up on this 
word doc. Right. I guess I should stop Googling, tell me more about Aquarians and actually start working on this book or whatever. <laughs> tell uh, me more about, about Chris Pine and uh, his life. Yes. Um, yeah. So anyway, plenty of resources out there for you. And I'm going to, we can put this in our show notes too, but I do want to tell you that there's lots of great learn to play materials available at playdnd.com. And if you go there to that hub, you'll find lots of all those resources on how to get started playing D&D. There's also a tab there that says for educators. And even if you're a parent, you can hit that tab because that's where you're going to find the information about how to get the club kit and how to get the curriculum materials as well. So Do get it. in there. Have fun. Let's start D&D with kids. Let's roll it. All right. I got a five. Okay. Good start. Good. Uh, is it though? Speaking of which, we are going to start rolling some insight checks on a colleague of ours. Justice Armand is oh, ready. Yeah. We've talked to him before uh, on, on on various projects, but he's he's in. Let's get some insight checks going right about Let's now. Do it. Let's welcome Justice Armand to Insight Check. Hi, Justice. Hello. Hi. Woohoo. Very excited to have you back on as you are a full fledged wizard of the coast now. We've talked (laughs) to you on Dragon Talk many times uh, and excited to finally get to know a little bit more about you for our listeners. Yes, I have been practicing my wizard spells over the past few months and I can almost cast a cantrip now. All right. Which one did you choose? Press the digitation, of course. It's like five in one. Right? You don't have to do any chores. Never do laundry again. No chores, no cleaning, no, you know, make something cold or warm. Pretty cool. That would be really handy. I always think of Merlin from uh, the Sword in the Stone movie by Disney as what press the the digitation is, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but then you have to do a rhyme with it so it's a bard like spell too so Justice tell us uh, a little bit about yourself uh, and then we'll roll an insight check to see if this is actually you know about, about me I feel like or an elaborate like I joke. called on in class yeah. Uh, fun yeah. facts please fun facts uh, I am I am Iranian American I love to cook Iranian food uh, delicious delicious food I post about it frequently on Twitter um, I uh, play guitar um, and like the outdoors. Yesterday, I was, uh, we, we have a gym in our new house out here in uh, Seattle. Uh, it is not our house. It is someone else's, which we are renting. Um, <laughs> and yesterday, I did squats. And today, I am regretting that humans sit on their leg muscles. <laughs> uh, so why are we designed this way? Um uh, uh, but yeah, that's a little bit about me. Uh, that makes sense. We were talking about this before. I always wear black. If I'm not wearing black, I am probably wearing all white. Uh, and those are my two colors that I wear. Easy. Now, why yes. is that? Why Why do you only do uh, the monochromatic white or black? I don't know. I don't know. The color the color does not look good on me. I like, hmm. a, I like accessorizing every once in a while. Maybe a necklace or a watch. But 
But uh, my dad always wore one color. He always wore black. And I think that bled into my wardrobe. So, Well, it I makes it, I like it. it easier getting dressed in the morning. Yes. I <laughs> Instead of having to pick a shape and a color, I just have to pick the shape of my outfit. So, yeah, yes. A short sleeve shirt today. Jeans. I wear jeans. <laughs> <laughs> you, now, the black you jeans be... only? Uh, no, I do wear blue jeans. So, so oh, okay. it looks like I, I rolled my deception check already. On right? I was like, wait, hold on. Yeah, yeah, I, I got a 20. Oh, I'm going to ask you, you to go. stand up and prove it, but we know you can't do that right now. <laughs> I, I do actually have a black pants. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I don't know what to trust. I don't know. There's no truth. Oh, anymore. that's awesome. So, uh, tell me a little bit about the guitar. What uh, What do you play? How often have you been playing? Like, what's what's your what's your you know? Are you at Stairway to Heaven level or? Oh gosh, no. Uh, no, I started playing guitar back when I was 19. It was actually Thanksgiving. I think it was right before Thanksgiving, and a friend of mine went off to um, an acting college in, in LA uh, back when I was living in, in Middle Tennessee. And he's like, hey, I, my dad gave me this guitar. It's been collecting dust in my closet for like five years now. Do you want it? And I was like, sure. And so it's this old guitar. And I didn't know it at the time, but it was really warped. Like the neck was so bent that pushing the frets down was really hard. Um, so I told myself I'd learn one song. Um, and if I didn't like it at the end of learning that song, I knew that I'd give it my shot. Uh, I chose Blackbird uh, from the Beatles. And as soon as I finished learning that guitar song, uh, it was uh, Thanksgiving Day and one of my strings broke. And so shortly afterwards, I took it in because I didn't know how to change a, a string. And, you know, every horror movie, anybody's around a, a guitar or a piano and it's like tuning, it always whips them in the face. Yeah. Uh, so I, I gave it to the music store to change the strings. And when I handed over them the guitar to them, they were like, you've been playing this? And I was like, yeah. He's like, this is the most warped guitar I have ever seen. He's like, let me see your fingers. And I showed him my calluses and they were like these grooves in my fingers. He was like, yeah, this is not normal. Do you want me to adjust the action on your guitar? Like make the uh, the neck straighter? I was like, yeah, that sounds great. And <laughs> it was like playing butter after that. So um, oh, you powered through. Yeah, so I've been playing for about 10 years now. Uh, off and on. So sometimes when I'm writing, I'll take a break and go strum on my guitar for a little bit. That makes sense. But, yeah. Um, you do a lot nice. of writing for the D&D team now. Yes. Yes. I, I um, have lucked into a senior designer position and am making my deception checks daily. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Is that the imposter syndrome? Let's see. Uh, it's a seven. Uh, my insight's only a plus three. So well, I, don't yes. I don't know if you're... Yeah, I think, you know, I was talking about this with Jason Tondra, who was hired on, I'm going to say like a month before me, a few weeks. Mm -hmm. And he said, if there's one thing that everybody has in common on the D&D team, it's it's the imposter syndrome that none of us belong here. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this game is so important to so many of us that the idea that we get to work on it and add to it and, you know, create something that other people engage with is pretty mind-blowing. Um, of course, everybody thinks, uh, you know, jobs in gaming are nothing but fun. The, the job does have its challenges. Um, but at the end of the day, when I finish something and I get to look at it and read over and think, oh my gosh, this is maybe going to make it to somebody's table and they're going to, you know, however many people get to play this and share this story, it's, it's pretty incredible. Um, hmm. And you need such a big game now too. <laughs> it's kind of 
I don't know what 50 million people looks like. <laughs> I have trouble picturing <laughs> my high school, which was like 2,000 people. So a million is ridiculous. They're all cheering. Every single one. They're like, yay, yes. you get to do it. Yes. <laughs> so when did you discover d and um, I was... I was uh, it was not long after I picked up guitar, actually. The year was mm. 2013. Um, <laughs> it's almost 10 years ago now. All the um, way back. I was uh, in college, and I was living in the farthest on-campus housing I could find. So it was still kind of lower cost since it was on campus, um, but about a mile from the school. And there was this guy, Colin, um, who was kind of nerdy. I'd seen him around my building before. And he lived uh, with a previous roommate of mine. And he came up to me. I was like, hey, we need another D&D player. Uh, do you want to join us this Saturday? And I said, D&D, um, &D, isn't that, that that game, that basement game where you get the little paper screen between you and you turn into wizards and throw all these dice? <laughs> and like, it just made fun of him like right off the bat. And he was like, yeah, yeah, that's kind of it. And there's, I was kind of nerdy at the time, and I was, I was, it was enough to be curious. And he's like, "Well, you can, you know, you can make whatever you want to make." And I, I, um, I asked him if I could be a, a minotaur with a powdered wig, whose name was Beethoven. Uh, okay. And I was like, "Can I have a harpsichord?" Because I was in my humanities class that week, and we were talking about harpsichord. Maybe it was like Beethoven or something. And he was like, yeah, just come over, you know, this time we'll roll it up. And that was my first character. It was very ridiculous. Uh, How did you carry a harpsichord? Well, he's a minotaur, so I guess he's I was very strong. Yeah. 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 So he would carry around a harpsichord and that was his instrument. I don't and know if that's, that's true. Oh, yeah, no, I got to, I got to fix No, it's that. true. It's true. Yeah, it's true. very true. Yeah. Um, and I, I sat down at the table and it was a lot of fun. I kept playing and then... Um, you know, the next year, the, the PHB came out and I, I you know, uh, we were playing 3.5 at the time and I had no idea what was happening half the time. I would just say, hey, what do I need to do when I level up? He'd go, do this, do this, do this. I'd say, okay, whatever. Uh, and I kind of wanted to be a DM. And so when the new book came out, I was like, I don't know if I can learn 20 books, but I can learn this one book as it comes out. And uh, I was kind of hooked from then on. So That's here we are. Nine years oh, later. Right? Yeah. Dreams do come and true. You can go from a uh, minotaur bearing a harpsichord with a powdered <laughs> wig to being a senior designer on the <laughs> team. I That's do amazing. love your dungeon master who's like, yeah, you can do that. You can yeah. be all those things. Just show up. Yeah, he's like, yes, he's like, go for it. Yeah. Talk he, a little bit he, about your... Oh, sorry to shift tracks a little bit, but I know we only got yeah, a little yeah. bit of time with you, but... Uh, I know the food is so uh, amazing. All of the pictures that you post on Twitter of the prep work and everything like that. Where, uh, yeah, I, uh, talk about your passion for food. Yeah. Well, first off, I need to cook for you all at some point. Uh, yes. that we are oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, yeah. oh, please, oh, please, oh, please. You are always welcome. Um, no, um, my grandmother uh, only spoke Farsi. I'm learning Farsi now. Um, Oh, that must be, you could call it Persian language. Farsi is like saying Espanol. Uh, <laughs> I've been talking about Spanish. Um, but she always cooked these incredible meals. So much of Iranian culture is being a good host. Um, you're said to be a better host. The more dishes you have for someone, 
the better of a host you are. So if you ever go over to someone Iranian's house and they have like one cold bowl of yogurt, like they are sending a message. <laughs> um, but um, I've never done that to anybody. <laughs> um, however, uh, my grandma would always cook these, these incredible meals and I was a terrible cook for the longest time. I'm famously, uh, I, once I wanted to make some cupcakes for a teacher and I spent the whole time going up and down the cake aisle looking for cupcake batter. And I was like, where's the cupcake batter? There's all this cake batter. I don't want to make a cake. I want to make cupcakes. Where do I get the cupcake batter? And I was like, oh, well, I guess yes. I'm making a cake. That's and fair. If you don't know, it's one in the same. If you've never had done no it idea. before. Um, but a few years ago, uh, a little bit before the pandemic, my, my grandmother actually passed away. And... Um, I decided that I was going to make a dish that she always made to kind of honor her memory. And um, it turned out pretty, pretty well. And I just kind of kept cooking from then on. And then when I started working at Beetle and Grimm's, I went from working in healthcare um, and freelancing on the side to working from home, which meant a lot of these dishes that need to be soaking or simmering for hours were a lot more accessible to me. Mm. because I was starting them in the afternoon instead of starting them at 6 p.m. when I get home and then eating at like 9. Um, I could actually start them earlier. And, you know, every couple of weeks I, I do a different dish, maybe something new, maybe refine a skill, um, and it has been delicious. So That's great. I, it is. Myself, with working from home, have cooked a lot more as well, and it's mm-hmm. such a rewarding I don't know. I wouldn't even call it a pastime because you need it to, to to eat, but it just feels just like, oh yeah, we're we're it's there's nothing makes a home more than 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 cooking. Yeah, and yeah. and and especially like coming from a background in public health, like mm. so much of what we eat, we don't know what's in it. Um, even even like there's no even percentage daily values for sugar because of like lobbying with the WHO and stuff. But when you make something, you know exactly what's in it. You know, the proportions of oil, you know, how much salt you put in it, you know, whether or not there are real vegetables or not. Um, and people who cook a lot, um, I mean, I feel like tend to be a little bit healthier um, and maybe happier because cooking is just so peaceful. Um, yeah. It's one of those things that if I've been writing for a long time, I'll put on a podcast like Dragon Talk <laughs> um, <laughs> and I will sit and I will just listen to podcasts and cook and listen to the bubbling pots and it's super peaceful yeah and there's something so from like greg knows this because he's been to my house before but feeding people is my love language like and to like actually like to make food and to serve it to your friends and your family and your loved ones like to me that's just that's how i express how much i love my people so i guess similar to uh to uh the the farsi people if like if you come over and there's like a bag of chips in a cup of salsa. It sends a message. And I don't love you that much. No, no, no. <laughs> I but it's remember a, that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even just, you know, a, I just love even like spreading Nutella on a piece of white bread for my son. But it, to him, that's cooking. But I love to watch people eat and yeah. share in the food. Yeah, same. <laughs> Always asking, do you like it? What don't you like? What would you change? How can I make it better for you the next time? Sort of thing. I'm sure it's delicious. And those skills yeah. transfer to, uh, you know, uh, writing and making RPG materials, right? Because you're like, you're playtesting my meal for me right now. <laughs> That's <laughs> yes, true. Naturally. It is playtesting. Uh, I do find that I do like uh, in 
adventures and things, ones that have a food scene or a dining table, or I find that food, like we spend so much of our lives in the real world around food and around tables and breaking bread together that, uh, I mean, we have a whole uh, very high level spell for a hero's feast, which has its own cookbook now. Um, But the idea of food and adventures is really cool. And it adds a lot too. When you, when you see what somebody eats, it tells you a little bit about them. It tells you where they got it. It tells you what kind of eater they are. It tells you how much they eat, whether or not they share it with people. Um, it's kind of an underrated NPC trait. I think it's an underrated thing to do as a dungeon master as well. Obviously, there's the whole stereotype of snacks and things at the table. But one of my most favorite D&D sessions was when the dungeon master cooked. We were going to like a dinner party. The party was going to a dinner party. And he actually cooked the real meal that would be at the dinner party. So it was this nice, you know, immersive uh, session where we didn't, I don't think we rolled any dice. It was all about interactions and talking and it just made uh, yeah. the whole night memorable for everyone. I, I, more Dungeon Masters could use it. Yeah. Use yeah, the Heroes Feast cookbook. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that feast is, and, that, and that, that cookbook has a lot of cool recipes in there beyond like, I mean, you have your classic staples of like hearty meat and potatoes and rations and things. Um, but there's also some, some pretty cool recipes in there and then some fun things like your Barovian butterscotch pudding. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Uh, it'd be fun to see Strahd serve someone. <laughs> Not a good cook, as it turns out, Strahd. No. I just like to think, think so? he uses like too much whipped cream. Like it's a really tense meeting and it's just like. Ah. <laughs> 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 Not like enough cherry. garlic. That's He's very sure. indulgent. <laughs> yes. yes, and no garlic. No all right well oh got a 16 uh on that one so i think uh this is great and i think we'll take you all up on that uh, that invite and uh start having some food together because now we can no that would be awesome yeah excellent well thanks so much uh justice uh for talking a little bit about what you do and 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 uh, you as the amazing person you are how can people maybe follow you on twitter and find out some of those uh so those threads where you're prepping all that food yeah twitter is the best way it's uh at justice our mom um arm is in mary a n is in november um and if you're looking to make some recipes of your own i recommend uh a cookbook called bottom of the pot is one of my favorites so uh, and the author's daughter is a big DD fan so oh uh, that's awesome cool. connections abound that's great i've never yes. heard of that one so i'll check out bottom of the pot i'm always looking for new cookbooks yeah to- yeah Spicing up my life. Spice it up. Spice it up. (laughs) And I'm also going to take the cook feet in my next character in honor of this conversation. Yes. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Justice. Cool. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love justice, uh, both the person and the quality that <laughs> the happens concept. in the world. Yeah, and I'm sure he's never heard that joke before. But maybe not. <laughs> we got to get him back on here so you can tell him that. Be the first. I feel like I have done that uh, when he's been on previously, and it's still a terrible dad joke that I admit was bad. I I'll take that one. Well, you gotta. You sometimes you just can't. You can't resist. You can't resist. You just you gotta get that nugget out of your brain. You do. Yeah, I hear that. Well, 
Um, I am excited to speak to these two wonderful people who have created a snapshot of what it was like to play D&D in middle school and share it with the world in graphic art, uh, graphic novel form. So let's get these wonderful people on the phone. Let's welcome Molly Knox Ostertag and Xanthi Boma to Dragon Talk. Yay! <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having us. So excited that both of you are here to talk through um, uh, so many fun D&D topics, but definitely uh, because of the Dungeon Club, which is coming out. We just figured it out. Early December, December 6th, it will be coming out. uh, And it is a graphic novel. I mean, well, actually, you know what? I'll just let uh, Molly, I'll throw it to you. How would you describe uh, Dungeon Club? Yeah. Um, okay. This is my first time like pitching it. Verbally, oh, so let's, let's work it out. Um, Dungeon Club is a middle grade book series. It's going to be a trilogy. So this first book called Roll Call is the first of three. And it is about two friends, uh, Jess and Olivia, who have played D&D together for years. And they've played just like a very insular little campaign where Jess plays the badass tiefling loner Sir Corius and Olivia is the dungeon master. And this year, the first day of eighth grade, Olivia decides to open up the club, open up the campaign, turn it into a club at school and invite anyone to play. And it's about Jess's complicated feelings around having to share her friend and share her fantasy worlds. Um, and it's about friendship and uh, playing games together. And um, yeah, Xanthi, is, is there anything you'd like to add to that? Oh, and um amidst all of that we see the drama of their D characters so there's this nice shift between the middle school world um and the world of fantasy um which I love is that which i love about it yeah that's so great i love that this has been uh a theme and all the times that we've talked to you molly uh you know from when we first said you want to talk about the witch boy my daughter loved uh reading those books and, and, and it meant so much to her and now in describing this she's entering middle school for the first mm-hmm. time and i can't wait to show her this book because i feel like it's going to be extremely important for her yeah oh that's so that's so great yeah i think um i'm so interested in the ways that kid that kids that age kind of play and make up stories and especially with the series i was really interested in the transition between like the kind of imaginative play that every kid does you know just like on the playground, doing voices, turning a stick into an action figure, like that very, just sort of like, it's very natural for for younger kids. And then I think as you get into middle school, you get a little self-conscious about it and you start to doubt if it's cool and you start to worry about, um, am I, you know, am I being, am I being too childish? And so I really wanted this series to kind of explore that and explore how games like D&D can sort of preserve that imaginative play, but sort of give it a little bit more rules and structure that makes it something that kids can like carry with them for the rest of their life. That is really interesting. It is. I mean, it's about middle school and that for a lot of people isn't a great time. And I just think that you both have really like captured that essence of what it feels like to go through all of those feelings and those emotions and you're exploring themes that are so commonplace to that but yet it's also a very beautiful and empowering and uplifting story definitely one i wish that i had when i was <laughs> in middle school yeah, yeah. I, I think i think that um molly and i both when we talked i think that we both 
I don't know. Like I, I remember middle school, like it was yesterday. Um, like my friendships, the pain, the struggle, the joy of it, like is all still very clear in my mind. And so um, tapping into that was like an interesting experience for sort of trying to portray the, like um, the emotional struggles and experiences that you're going through at that time. And like balancing, balancing your imagination with the reality that you now have to face as you're like becoming a grown up. Um, mm. So yeah. it was, it was a fun, fun to try to capture that in a way that I think is like earnest to being 13. I hope. <laughs> yeah. And just, or Xanthi, uh, uh, I love like the way you draw the characters. It feels so much like the way kids that age see themselves. Like they don't, I, I, I think that I think the kids that age will really relate to to just how the characters are depicted because they are full of agency and you kind of like like I think we both try I think we struck a really nice balance of like no like capturing the awkwardness of middle school but also being like this is what you're trying to be this is how you're 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 imagining yourself um, mm-hmm. and sort of like even if you're not quite there yet. Um, these these kids both feel very relatable, but also a little aspirational. And the fantasy element of it mm-hmm. lets that happen too. We get to see who they envision themselves as, what characters they play when they are playing in fantasy, and so we kind of get to see their souls in this really um, uh, sp- special way. Yeah, I love that. I, th- I think what's odd about middle school, because I'm trying to explain it to, to my daughter as she's entering it, is that now you've you've got to do exactly what you're talking about, which is decide who you're going to be and it's such a hard pressurized place in which to do it like you're not doing it on your own you're not doing it in a vacuum you're doing it with you know in some cases hundreds of other kids also trying to figure out who they're trying to be and it's this you know uh, gauntlet that you have to run through I mean I mean so many I was like a sports person at one point then I was into into fantasy which I really loved and I always could but I couldn't really show that and then I was a metalhead at one point when I was in like 8th grade I'm like that's I don't know who I yeah. am quite yet and it's so hard uh, and it's so awesome to try to capture that in a D&D game because that is as you said I I just love that idea of like oh this is self actualization in a way it's like who do you want to be but you're not even really thinking about it you're just like this is a cool character that yeah. I get to play yeah, I think that like when you're that young, it's like you kind of start to get the advice that's like, you know, be true to yourself, be yourself. But like, who is like, that? You don't know who that is. Like, <laughs> no. I'm 30, and that's still something that you're, you know, exploring. Like, even as you grow up. Um, and so I think, but when you're when you're playing the game, <laughs> um, I think that there is a freedom in getting to just indulge in in something because it's not real. And so mm-hmm. from that, I think that truths truths can come out in some way, even if it's not like a literal, your, your character isn't like a literal representation of you, but there's something in them that is, you know, it's, it's part of you. It's coming from you. Um, yeah. So I think, I think that kind of happens in ways that the characters in the book are not doing this intentionally when they're playing D and D, but it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, I think like, I, I love how you draw Corius, who is Jess's character, because um, I really, I really just gave Xanthi the, the description of like what is like the most self-indulgent, like dark prince, <laughs> like I'm a loner, I don't care about anyone, kind of like like what would you make up when you were 13? And that's such a like like I that was definitely all of my kinds of characters when I was that age was just leaning into that angst so and like having that way to express that angst and so it's it's really it's I find it like actually like incredibly cathartic to kind of like 
get to give Jess that character and then have him treated like he is really cool, but also kind of like, like, I think we poke fun at him a little bit too, but it's, it's, it's just like a delightful dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, that was the best description. Because <laughs> once you wrote that, I was like, I know exactly what this guy looks yeah. like. Yeah, <laughs> we all know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I love fan- that they have fantasy stat- anime involved in that. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that they have stat blocks, too. With like their bully potential mm-hmm. <laughs> and their social points. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A big part of the book is because it's sort of through Jess's eyes and Jess is very antisocial and kind of on the outside of a lot of interactions. And so they're like observing people and kind of assigning them these like, okay, you're this popular and you're less popular and your bully potential is this high. And like, mm-hmm. this is your special skill that you do that. Um, I don't, I, I kind of, I wanted to use that as a way a lot of this book is about Jess kind of like realizing that when you are on the outside, you can find other people who are on the outside and connect with them, um, which was a lesson I wish that I had learned better when I was, I think I was like very much a nerd in middle school, but I was a little bit of, I was really judgmental too. And so the kids who I could have become friends with, I think I, 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 I pushed them away almost because I was like judging them. And so, um, that's kind of, yeah, just sort of like views everyone as like a monster or an NPC because she's using it as a way to distance herself from them. Hmm. I, I think it's a very almost spot on like observation, but I don't know, like it's hard to not see the world through her eyes, the middle school world through her eyes with that, with that lens. I mean, I thought it was very clever. I'm like, yes. Middle school is filled with monsters and NPCs. <laughs> it very much makes sense. And I remember my friends and I uh, trying to understand who is in the in-group and who is not in the in-group. And there was always that like almost a stat-like level of thought around it. And so that's so interesting to try to dramatize it in, in D&D terms. We didn't have that vocabulary when we were talking about it and trying to understand like why aren't we on the in group we should be inside how do we do this and you know it's uh because you didn't have the magic sword of richness or whatever you needed to be (laughs) in the in group (laughs) yeah Uh, so how did you so you were talking about uh um the writing of the script versus the 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 drawing how did you did you did you collaborate together with all those things or were molly you uh the writer and, and xanthi you the the drawer the artist um it was pretty much that but um obviously molly makes amazing comics um and so uh she sort of lended me some aid by making the page layouts so molly did like all of these little thumbnails of just like the panels so like nothing inside of them but like the shape of the panels and where they would go um to coincide with the script and i think sometimes that can be difficult because in my mind i panel a certain way But I think that Molly and I have a very, um, we don't work exactly the same, but I think that we have, I don't know, I feel like we like imagine visuals similarly. So like when I read Molly's script, I pictured the page a certain way. And then when I would look at the thumbnails, it would be very similar to, I think, what I would do. Um, And it also helped me visualize what Molly was visualizing. So that was kind of cool to be able to, you know, work with a writer who is also an artist and I think, I don't know. Yeah, it was an, it was an interesting sort of process. Um, so I liked that aspect of the collaboration, um, and it helps. I went I went faster in that stage also because there was kind of this groundwork that was set. I'm so glad that that was helpful. Um, this is my first time I've drawn comics written by other people, 
and I've written and drawn my own comics, but I had never written for someone else to draw before. And so I was really, really conscious of trying to like uh, give Xanthi like all the materials that they needed. Um, and also conscious of like my process of writing just is, I can't write the script without figuring out the way that the page is laid out. Like those two things are tied together because it's it's so connected for me. Um, so I'm, I'm really glad that that worked out. It was, it's such a delight. I mean, it was just such a joy to work with Xanthi and see these characters come to life. And it was very magical because I'd written about them, but I hadn't drawn them. I usually, when I'm making a book, I draw the characters a lot and start to kind of figure them out that way. And I hadn't done that with these guys. And so getting to see them start coming alive uh, through Xanthi's sketches and starting to kind of find out more about them and and figure them out through those visuals um, was just like a really, really magical process. I hadn't experienced that before. That's cool. It's almost like a, uh, uh, I'll use, I was going to use a, a filmmaking analogy, but I think I'll use a Dungeon Master one instead, where like a, a Dungeon Master who spends a lot of time as a player, right? Mm-hmm. You can understand like, oh, I, I know what it's like to have both of those experiences and, you, and they will inform each other. Yeah. Whereas, you know, the person who's always a player might not know, you know, all the inner workings of being a Dungeon Master and things like that. So it's nice that you were able to straddle the DM screen. <laughs> 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 Yes, yes. <laughs> but yeah, there are just so many wonderful surprises. Like I think, um, Sandy, I don't know if, I think you were on, you were either testing for it or you were like on the project, but you you just did like a doodle of Tyler, who's like the kind of like nerdy other kid who joins the group showing Jess and Olivia his sketches. And they were both like, oh my God. And it was just, it like crystallized that dy- dynamic for me so clearly. And it was just really, really special to have that. Uh, I feel like we just were very much on the same wavelength, but also, like, I learned so much more about the characters and the story from seeing your interpretations of them. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah, I think that um, it's funny with the with the script because I feel like the characters were just, like, injected right into my brain. Like, I, I just saw them so clearly that when I was doing sort of, like, the concept art and, like, exploration before we actually, like, got started on the project and everything was, like, completely smoothed out, um, they just, they just felt really clear to me. Um, and that was really satisfying actually, because I think that I then got to explore like, I don't know, the character acting, which is going to be like, you know, cause you could draw a character saying a line of dialogue. Like it's like an actor, like literally in a film where anyone could deliver a line differently and it's going to read differently. But when I read the script, I could so easily picture their voices that then when I drew them, I felt like I was working with actors where like they each kind of have certain body language or like expressions or ways of like ways of saying something like a certain character might be saying something that's they're angry about it, but she never raises her voice. Whereas like the other one, the moment she gets frustrated, like she raises her voice, you know, or something like that. But that is something that you express through the visual. Um, And to me in reading the script, like that all just came I think they they are they have strong characterizations, um, and so that came through very clearly for me when I was making it, which made it very easy to draw. <laughs> That's amazing. It's a good it's a good match. <laughs> Lots a good, of fun. Good artistic marriage. Is this the first project you've worked on together? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah, but I have admired their art for a very long time, so I was like so excited. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt lucky to be on. Yeah, this in the same yeah. Way, so. Xanthi, are you the uh, the D and D player who kind of doodles while playing and and 
wows people. Oh, I love Um, that. Well, my whole, all my D&D groups are always full of artists. So like, you're all doing it. (laughs) Yeah. So we're, we're all doing that, but like, you know, it's, we're all very different kinds of artists. So it's, it's always different, but yeah, I, I write down, I write my notes during D&D. Um, and so I'm, I'm doodling in the margins, just like in, like I would in high school math class. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I'm always so impressed uh, with how artists like that can capture a moment that was just in our, our shared imaginations and and bring it to life. In some ways, it always it kind of cements my my visuals because I'm not a very visual person. I, I I I can write things, I make things, but but for some reason, translating it into the visuals is something that I allow other artists and, and love to see other artists do. Uh, so yeah. constantly impressed. D&D is such a beautiful act of live storytelling and kind of you're all trying to hold this story in your mind together, but it, of course, like you all have slightly different versions of it. So yeah, I always, whenever, um, usually my spouse is the one who does a little doodle of a comedic thing that happens and it just, we'll just cement it where we all are just like, okay, yes, that's what it looks like. And that mm-hmm. it just feels like these, like, like, I don't know, nails holding down the the shared fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. To have, you have that common story and then to have like the common visual together. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So Molly, one of the things that I love about your work is the relationships. Like you just write such powerful characters and such strong female positive relationships. And how do you... Where do you pull that from? Like, how do you make it feel authentic and genuine? Because reading this book really did. There were so many moments where I was like, oh, I feel that. (laughs) I feel it. I'm back in middle school. Oh, thank you. Um, Yeah, I think I, I, it's my main thing that I'm interested in writing is stories about people loving each other in different ways. um, And like getting to the heart of what it really means to love someone. So I think I, I have a lot of, I, Jess is not the first character who is that I've written who's like a little bit difficult to love and kind of pushes people away. Um, and it's there's something very cathartic about that to me. Um, and yeah, I just I think it just it does. It comes from real life relationships and it comes from either ways like relationships that have gone well. And kind of like lessons I've learned from that or relationships that I, I wish I had done differently or like approached differently or I wish someone had approached me differently. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of it's it's a funny I'm never trying to make like morality tales like I don't yeah. want it to just be like just like really like blandly positive representation. But I am very interested in like the complexities of like two people who are basically good loving each other and caring for or being friends or being family and how that can still be so complex, even if you both kind of like, ultimately, like no one is like evil in this dynamic, right? but you're just different people and you intersect in different ways. So, so yeah, I think it's just, it's just my most, my favorite thing to, to write about. And I'm just so, so fascinated by, by stories like that. Yeah. Powerful. And then the different, uh, you know, body types and how people envision themselves being drawn instead of just oh yeah you get to see this like I, I love everything that I've seen about your work on this Xanthi so far with uh the awkwardness of that age because everyone mm-hmm. is is growing and changing in different ways that they're not familiar with yeah 
Yeah. Although all the characters have like such good wardrobes. I want all their clothes. <laughs> I know. I was like, they are very well dressed. Yeah. I love, I love to draw their clothes. Yeah. Um, also, we, um, um, uh, our color, uh, our colorist who really added a lot of life to it, um, Amelia, she also really like, I feel accentuated their clothes. Cause sometimes I would like draw their outfits and I was like, ah, this doesn't look as like, good as it did in my head but color always adds like a completely different layer to a drawing it can it can make it and it can break it um and Amelia's color definitely made it <laughs> so yeah. sometimes she would like color them and I was like oh okay it's perfect now <laughs> that's exactly yeah. what I wanted it to be the <laughs> so color nice. is so good in this book you guys yeah. it's, it's so dreamy and and just beautiful really atmospheric it yeah, is. Awesome. Yeah. It reminds me of, this is like, I'm going to talk about color in a comic book the way I talk about like what a wine tastes like. I'm like, I like it. I really like it. I don't know why. The, the palette. It's, uh, it's like, yeah, it tastes delicious. delicious. But like the, the color, I did notice the color and it was like very like, like a sunset, like just very beautiful. Yeah. I, yeah. Like a delicious glass of wine. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's all that's all Amelia Laura she she tore it up she she came in when I couldn't do the colors so it was uh really awesome yeah where's it um do you have her like social media off the top of your head um I think it's uh Mimia let me look it up Mimia okay. draws um okay. yeah M-I-M-I-A draws on Twitter cool um yeah she does like web comics and stuff and I feel like we were really lucky to have her because I think yeah. that uh she it was, I feel like this sort of went in stages of like Molly had this vision and then like we sort of like our vision like worked together and then Amelia's color vision worked together with mine. And I feel like we all just kind of like let each other, let each other be free with it. Hmm. <laughs> and then like really good stuff came out of it. So it was a nice, yeah. it was a nice process. That's it's so exciting when that happens. Yeah. And I don't like think, a, I mean, I've learned a lot. And through talking to creators uh, who make comics, but I don't think when I was a kid, I really understood that it is a collaborative art form, just like filmmaking, like theater, like like everything like that, right? And so, I don't know, maybe you could talk a little bit about that process of like, because even the idea of a script writing was not something I, I for some reason, I just thought comics were just birthed whole into the, mm. into the universe, right? <laughs> but didn't realize that there were different talents that, you know, everybody yeah. brought their special uh, uh, you know, uh, creativity to, uh, right? And so the way we're yeah. talking about the color here, it's like the lighting designer, it's like the cinematographer bringing a little bit things more in focus or, or, or everything like that. And I just think that's, I don't know, I don't know if a lot of people really understand that. Yeah, I think that any, every stage can completely change the mood, which is why I was saying yeah. like color can make or break something because it's like you can just, you can make a drawing look so evil <laughs> when it was supposed to be cute, or you could make it way too happy, you know, when it was meant to be scary. Uh, so there's a lot of power in that. Um, mm. but yeah, comics yeah. is so interesting because it is feasibly, I think, one of the few, um, like, storytelling mediums that you can feasibly do completely alone. And often you do. Um, and it is a very lonely a <laughs> uh, line of work because it takes, you know, at least a year to draw a comic that someone is going to read in 30 minutes. Um, and you're doing it by yourself because you can, <laughs> and it's a little sad, um, but it's, it's really fun because there, there is, you know, you can break it up and have these mini teams 
Um, and I think that like conjoining of creative energies can be, it can be really hard, uh, but it can also be incredibly rewarding. Um, and I think putting your trust in the other creatives is like part of the fun. Cause sometimes you kind of have to let it go and like see what comes next. And you kind of create something that wouldn't have happened if you had done it alone. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing, knowing your strengths and knowing other people's strengths. And I think like, like, I think that we both as writers and artists, Anthe, like, I think we both are very focused on character and emotion. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of when I draw my own comics, that's always the primary thing before anything else that I, I try to make sure it comes across. And I think you, you do that too. And it's, so it's cool to sort of have those like overarching similarities, but then be able to pass it to you and, and trust completely that you would capture the character and the emotion, but also know that you were going to do it in ways that were unexpected and bring in things that I, I couldn't predict. Um, it's just like, that was as someone who's drawn a lot of books by myself, that was like really, really like moving for me to get to uh, experience that. Yay. <laughs> it's just like, it's honestly, it's just like a DMV campaign. It is <laughs> like a DMV campaign. It's like, you know, the DM has all these like cool ideas about what's going to happen. And then the players are like, but what if I do this instead? <laughs> and then yes. it's a very different game after that. Yeah. yeah. But you're building something really like, you're building something together. So yeah. it's fun. Yeah. Do you think that you would both be such good collaborators if you didn't play D&D? <laughs> I'm Gosh. sure. You, I'm sure you would. That is the question. But I, I, I mean, I think I've learned a lot of lessons from um, DMing. I've learned a lot about like project management, and then also from like I like LARPed when I was a teenager, and that I felt like it does just. There's something really cool. I mean, it's a little bit what the theme, what the book is about is that Jess has this idea of how the campaign is, and it's this like super dramatic, super high fantasy. Um, campaign focused on Jess's character. And then this other person comes in who has a slightly more comedic style of playing and is bringing this different element and Jess really rejects that at first. And it's it's about kind of learning to open yourself up and be like, okay, you can still play your character and you can let this other person play it in a slightly different way. They're from maybe a slightly different genre, but like you can come together to really, really find, make something special. Um, that's kind of what the, the whole book is about. Yeah. Which is a great lesson for middle school. Yeah, I think especially for for anyone, but nerdy kids. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I just that was something I really needed to learn at that age. Um, was just that it doesn't. I can I can like other people have ideas that are kind of like that can be like just as exciting as mine, and I don't have to be like really particular about um, having everything my way. Mm-hmm. I also think in in the story, Jess is a character who um, lacks control in parts of their life. And I think in the D&D game where like Jess is this is the main character, uh, there is a sense of control that isn't happening in reality. Um, and so as more people get added to the game, I, I feel that, you know, that Jess is sort of realizing that, you know, in order to share in the space, you have to let go. Mm. You know, you can't like God mode. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I think that that's like a, a cool balance that has to be struck. For, oh my god, that's so Jess. true. That's so smart of you. <laughs> <laughs> I also love thinking about them. So. Yeah, I know they're just very good kids. <laughs> but that like spirit of collaboration is something that is not taught. You really do have to experience it 
some have experienced it around a you know a, a D and D table. Sometimes you do it through the crucible of LARPing or or you know being in a theater club or things like that. And like you, you kind of need other people around you in order to lift you up. Just like Dragon Talk, that's what right. Dragon Talk does. We lift people up. That's what it's all about. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but also sometimes that you need to be the one who lifts someone else up that it's you, yeah. d- you don't have to always be the center of attention you don't someone else's success isn't a threat to you you need to learn to embrace that and support that and be happy for that you know and that's especially at that age it's really hard to to envision somebody else being successful or having more popularity or just succeeding better at what you're struggling with and instead of you know it's a tough lesson to learn, but D&D can teach you that. that everyone has a different role to play, and we're all supporting each other here. Yeah. In life, too. Oh, so yeah. much to learn. <laughs> so much to learn. I do love the thought, though, of this book filling the shelves of um, elementary and middle schools. Um, also, at a time when this fall, actually in just a few weeks, we are um, putting... D&D-inspired curriculum into schools. We're oh, wow. All, yeah. So, like, right with this age, like, 8 to 12-year-olds. So, the the idea that there will be kids who are going to have some D&D learnings, activity sheets in their <laughs> classrooms, and then mosey on over to the library and pull this book off the shelf. Also, we're starting our, um, our D&D after-school club kits. So, if you like what you're reading in this book and you want to start your own D&D club, we have the tools for for kids to do that. It all comes full circle. So I love this I just so exciting. Yeah. It's so I, fun. Yes. And I know, you know, teachers are very open to the idea of of D&D and knowing what a powerful learning tool it is. So just giving them this which is another great resource for those kids that just want to to immerse themselves in books and graphic novels are huge for this age. They're going to it's going to be great. It's going to be. Yeah. We're going to love and I feel it. like this book is like, you know, should be ancillary to all of that of being like, this is, you know, 100%. the things you're going to bring, the social problems you might bring to this club or to yep. these things. And like, how do you, how do you overcome those? How yeah. do you? <laughs> yeah, man, it was, it was just like, I bought my first player's handbook when I was in middle school. And then I realized you needed friends to play. And I was like, I returned it to the Barnes & Noble because I didn't have any friends oh. to play with. It was so bad. <laughs> um, but like, it is just, it's this, the fantasy of finding those people um, who can, I think it's a lot easier to be a, a nerdy kid and be into like fantasy now than it used to be. Like totally. when any of us were that age, um, I think there's just like a lot, just a lot more of that. It is a lot more mainstream. And so like, I definitely, we definitely didn't want to make a book about like how oh, the nerds are like so ostracized, but it's more like, how do you, what are the ways in which you are ostracizing yourself? And what are the ways in which you can be true to your special interests and still make connections? Um, and that was, yeah, that's like very much the theme of the book. And I think like, yeah, D and D clubs in middle school. I mean, I just would have, I would have loved that so much. <laughs> I'm yeah. thinking, uh, so I've, been uh like i said my daughter is uh, 11 going into sixth grade for the first time and she has you know a lot of people that she's friendly with but she doesn't play like games together on like a regular basis and part of me was like well i'll be your dm you can bring your friends over we'll start doing you know a weekly kind of session and then i started to think i'm like but that's that's 
is that centering me? Is that me, like me as the dad? Because I want to play D and D more. <laughs> like, so I, I think they have to, you know, get a little bit of more familiarity with the rules and stuff. But my real goal is to like just be like, okay, now you have this group, you have this place, you have this this setup. You know, now you're free to tell your own stories. Do so it. exciting. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. It's just giving giving people the the space to be able to do it. Because that's where that's where your imagination is going to run amok. Yeah. When you're like safe and you're comfortable, you know, to, to have fun freely. Yeah. yeah. And having the sort of responsibility to kind of like be like, oh, I can DM it. I can learn the rules. Like I can. It, it's very empowering. Um the the next book I'm like we're like still in the script phase but it this one will be from Olivia's perspective so it's much more about being a dungeon master and that is like really interesting to me because it is just like it's like that is that is the the rare like middle schooler who's like I will step up and be the dungeon master I don't need to have a central character I will control everything and so I'm really interested about getting into like what motivates her and what the specific challenges of playing that role in the group are. Um, mm. Yeah. So that's, that's what I've been thinking about recently. Cause you do have to project project manage, as you mentioned earlier, yeah. like that is that it's sometimes it's just scheduling people and getting yeah. them to commit is the hardest part of D and D. Yeah. 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 And also I imagine for a lot of kids, like just having all eyes on you is, yeah. is really hard. Like having that attention, it's much easier to just blend into the group. But yeah. Yeah, the the pressure of it. Yeah. (laughs) But Olivia is, uh, she's very powerful. So she's very smart. She's very confident. Um, So she does a good job. And what a skill to learn again at that age of like, okay, I understand. I mean, it's not, you know, an audience of 500, but it's an audience of five. And how do do you even just command that on a smaller scale before you you, you go up? Yeah. Level up, as they say. Yeah. And it's cool. I mean, you just, I feel like whenever I, just like hang out with kids at book events or like meet like my friends, kids. Um, there's, there's like always the kids who are just like doing voices and they're constantly doing a bit and they're constantly making things up. And it's, it's, um, I feel like sometimes they like get a rap of being like a disruptive kid, um, or a troublemaker. And so the idea that you could sort of channel all of that energy into like making something to share with your friends, um, is, is so, so cool. Because so there's just so many, that's such a type of kid who just wants to make their friends laugh and pay attention to them. Yeah. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. No, um, put those skills. It's not a bad thing at all. Put those skills to use. So now yeah. teachers, librarians, educators, whoever, if you have those disruptive kids in your class, say, hey, I'm going to reward this by making you the dungeon master of our after school mm-hmm. club. Here yeah. you go. Set you just up. have to do some math. <laughs> there is some math involved. <laughs> a little, you, little you know. bit of math. You know what I've loved too over the over the last few years is the rise of co DMing, uh, right? Yeah. Because that also mm-hmm. adds to the collaboration mm-hmm. kind of idea, right? So there are, you know, there might be the kid who's really good at voices and really good at, at, at playing specific kinds of NPCs, and then there's the planner, there's the, you know, the the more uh, uh, you know lore focused one or things like that, and like and having those two, you know, it doesn't have to be two; it could be a team, but like you know, having that kind of off uh, loading of some of the responsibility of being a dungeon master, I think is really great. Yeah. And I wish maybe, you know, that should be more centered around kids too, because they, it doesn't have to all rest on, on one person's shoulders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like if that's like, if you wanted to run D and D with your daughter and her friends and like, do that's be the that way to role, get it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Being like, I'll kind of flip through the book for you and like pull up the monsters and help you with like the battle charts and everything. But like, you're really directing the story. That's just, that's what I didn't know about Cody Yeming. I have to look that up because yeah. I, oh, yeah. I watched, no, there... uh, oh, go on. Go ahead. Oh, I, I watched my sister Cody M with a friend one time for um, a group that she was playing with. And it was really cute because they sat on opposite sides of the rooms and they both had their laptops. And then while they were playing the game, they would just type notes to each other in like a shared Google doc. Oh, and cute. so they would be like, what if they go into the mirror maze? And then like the other person would be like, do it. And then they would like, <laughs> they, but so they'd be typing to each other, like these secrets <laughs> um, while they were playing the campaign. And then they each kind of carried a different responsibility that they leaned a little more towards. So like you said, like one sort of did a little bit more of like, the role play world building. And then the other would kind of be like, okay, here's a monster for this situation. Or like, here's like, you know, the, the battle piece or whatever. And it was neat to see how the story would unfold because they would surprise each other also. And I think that in the, in the same way of what we were saying, like it, it created something even more unexpected for the players because, you know, they have two DMs now that are kind of (laughs) um, articulating the space in a, in a new way. And the funny That's thing is, so cool. I'm thinking mm-hmm. about it with my youngest daughter, who's nine, same age as, as, as Shelly's kid, who is that troublemaker. She will always just kind of command the room and make things up. And we've played D&D before, and she's kind of hard to manage as a player when, mm-hmm. I, when I'm the DM because she's constantly coming up with ideas and being like, no, I want it to be this way. I'm like, well, that's not the adventure we're running, but okay. And now I'm a, I want to channel that and be like her co-DM for her older sister and their friends because she's always wanting mm-hmm. to impress the older sister and, oh and, and that yeah. circle of things. I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be the perfect situation. Yeah, that is. That's really I good. I love that. That's so cool. I, I have to look into that because I, yeah, DMing, I do not always have time for the preparation and I haven't, yeah. I haven't played for a while because I have been really busy. So I, I love that idea. Right. Yeah. And then add some accountability too. So it's not, again, mm-hmm. it's not all on your shoulders. You can yeah. lean off and, and yeah. yeah. You're not so lonely. Right. Yeah. And we've, we've, in, in one of the, uh, uh, essays of uh, our book, Welcome to Dragon Talk, that's coming out. We talk about a film director uh, and his wife who are sharing co DMing uh, things and duties. And, you know, he was much more of the storyteller and she was doing like the atmospheric, like, you know, because she came from the film world. So there was like the lighting and the fog machines and like they, they were playing Strahd. So, of Whoa. course, there was a lot more atmospheric things <laughs> happening. I'm like, oh my God, that's such a great mix to it. And it makes it feel like, a, like theater. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah, because not everyone is as good as, like, setting the scene. Like, even if you come up with a cool story, sometimes you're, like, you can't convey it. You know, you're, like, I want the castle to be, like, moody and cool and scary. But then you're, like, okay, you walk into a castle and it's really scary. And everyone's, like, (laughs) okay, sure. But, you know, someone else will be, like, the fog rolls in. You hear creaking chains. (laughs) Yeah. So it's fun, I think, to, to, to share in that. Yeah. Tag yeah. people in with their different uh, different talents. Be like, okay, yeah. you can make this happen. Yeah. There just yeah. is, I just love, I don't know. I think it's, there's something so beautiful to me about this kind of play. Because it just is, we all just want to escape a little bit and have this escapist world and being able to share it with other people. And a good DM really kind of builds that shared world and pulls everybody in. Like, it's just like, my favorite thing about about D and um, and about stories in general. Yeah, and I like what you said too about how it's it's easier to be that type of fantasy fan now. Yeah, um, because it, you, and I think that's why I find it so 
uh, uplifting this conversation about communities arriving around telling stories together is because it used to just be, you know, the the solitary thing you did. Yeah, I'll just read my player's handbook. I was like you, Molly, where I had a player's handbook, didn't have anyone to play with, but I was like, oh, this is enough, kind of. Yeah, I, I get yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but now we have all of these tools and and excitement around this type of storytelling that it is it is gratifying to have uh, that sense of community when we we have needed it these last couple of years with um, so much isolation. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of as as we go into adulthood too, we are um, mm-hmm. encouraged to stop playing um, in oh, any yeah. you know regard, and so something like this, you know, it's such a uh, it's such a creative way to play um, and you can do it well and, you know, you can do it your whole life. Um, and so I think that that is like a nice thing to uh, build into your mind when you are younger is like realizing that it's fine and good to keep doing, to be playful um, and to continue to do it into your adulthood in whatever way that manifests. Um, like I, I didn't really start playing D and D until, um, I was like an older teenager, like in, in early college. Uh, but it was a natural, I feel like it, it came into my life in a natural way because my sister, who is now the DM for the campaign that I play, um, when we were young, she would build, you know, these worlds. And then we would all like, you know, have our Lego characters or like make paper puppets in these worlds that she had created. And then we would be, I don't know. So it's like, we were kind of already doing it in a way that we, we didn't even realize that we were like running a campaign. Um, (laughs) And so it was like a natural process into our adulthood. And so now as adults, it's a way for us to be in touch and play together. um, That like works with our daily lives of responsibility. Yeah. I mean, it's not really different than like poker nights or a stitch and bitch or, you know, like (laughs) uh, going out for happy hour. Like there's, those are all perfectly acceptable social activities for adults. So Mm -hmm. it's just, this is just another way to have that social emotional connection. And it is, I feel the same way that I feel about drawing where I think every little kid draws and then most kids at a certain point stop drawing. Yeah. And it, it, at least for myself, I've always felt like I do not have any like special drawing ability. It really is just that I kept doing it um, <laughs> and sort of stuck with it. And I, I feel like play is, is very similar. It's just like everyone has a form of imaginative play and it is so natural to yeah. have, you can just do it with like, I don't know, like popsicle sticks and a paper bag. Like you don't even need a toy. Like I would just play by myself and I would play with friends with just rocks and stuff. And it was, Mm -hmm. it was so magical and to like (laughs) be encouraged to not lose that. Um, But also to be like, you don't have to stay a little kid. You can grow up, but you can take this imaginative play with you. Um, That's like something that I believe in so deeply. So it's, it's, yeah, just like a joy to explore it. I went, uh, I went camping, uh, with this family who has uh, the three kids, the middle kid uh, is this that type of person. Like she found five rocks and they were like, this is my rock family. And this is the dad <laughs> rock, this is the mom rock. And these are the three like little baby rocks. And we were camping for a couple of days and like she had so many stories to tell about her rock family. And like oh. somebody was walking by and like, you know, mistakenly like stepping on me. She's like, no, you're stepping on my rock family. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and the other adults that I was with were kind of like, oh, she's, you know, she's and I'm like, but she's no, that's my person. Master. These are like that kind of creative energy that you can make stories with, you know, 
yes, discarded things. Like that is yeah. something to be uh, lauded, not something yep. to be like, oh, you know, she'll learn one day. Yeah. I'm like, no, that's that's amazing. No, we don't want her to. We don't want yeah, her to stop. No. Yeah, that's how we imagine a better world is you have to be able to imagine it. And if you can't do that, then, you know, how are you going to attain these better things? Exactly. You're so smart. That's 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 really beautiful. (laughs) I know we all had a moment of like, I know, reflection. Isn't there, there's like a beautiful Ursula Le Guin quote on that topic of like, fantasy and not being escapism so much as like an act of imagination. Yeah. 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 Every, to... every good thing I've learned, I learned from Ursula Le Guin. <laughs> <laughs> She's really got it locked down. <laughs> Amazing. Molly, you mentioned like book events. Um, and I just, for a question for both of you, it must, or maybe more of a statement, but how fulfilling it must be to see your audiences engaging with your your work and being excited about it. But what are what are those events like when you actually get to talk to kids and hear their responses to to the work that you're putting out there? Um, I, I probably haven't done as many as Molly. Um, I've just done a few at like some bookstores and libraries. Um, but it is always the best because the feedback. Um, for like m- most of the books that I've done have been middle grade, like aged is like the demographic or like even younger, like eight to 13. So you don't see those kids giving feedback like on the internet, which is good for them. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, so I don't, you know, it's like, I hear feedback from librarians and like parents or, you know, just adults that are into that kind of thing. Um, and so the events are really nice because sometimes you actually get to hear like from the kids, like how yeah. they're feeling about it. Um, or their parents will like tell a story. And honestly, it's really humbling um, because I don't know. It's, I think it's just easy to forget what it's all for sometimes. But um, yeah, to, to interact with children who love books, even if it's not your own. Like one time I did um, an event for uh, a book that I'd worked on and we talked about it for like one second. And then the kids <laughs> just started telling me about warrior cats. And I was like, honestly, <laughs> go off, let's hear it. And I was, I was teaching them how to draw comics and we ended up drawing like comics about warrior cats, <laughs> but they did, they did so good. They like learned so much about like, like how to draw like a pack of cats, like fighting and, I don't know. They were just so sharp um, and they have great ideas and it's awesome. Kids are awesome. Yeah. 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 I really, every time I, I get to hang out with kids, whether it is like a book event or just like, yeah, in a, like a social situation, it, I just, I feel like I learned so much and I come away. Like it really, that, that imaginative spark that you have when you're little, like it's, it is hard to hold on to it. And I, I feel like I've like grown in my like storytelling skills and other skills of, at being an adult, but I, you sometimes lose touch with that. And so mm-hmm. getting to hear from kids, um, what they are interested in and what they're noticing. And especially when it's like about one of my books, but you, literally about anything, I just always, come away remembering what it is like to be that age. And I think that um, is what I always want to tap into when I'm making those stories for them. Like I really always want those stories for middle grade readers to feel like they are coming from someone that age, not that I'm an adult kind of telling them how to, Mm. how to live their lives or observing them from afar. Like I really 
viscerally remember that age so well. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's, it's, I just, I just like always learn so much. And I just always remember like talking to kids. I just remember how weird they are and how smart they are and how mm-hmm. like funny and random. And um, it's, it's really inspiring for making this kind of work. I, um, that, that reminds me of what you said earlier uh, that I, I really appreciated um, what you said about how, oh no, it just left me, my thought. <laughs> oh man, sorry. I just, I just got over being sick. And it's the brain fog. It's the, the brain, brain fog. fog. <laughs> yep, yep. Oh no. Well, how very kid-like of you as well. That's a, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've had my daughters be like, oh, I have somebody I need to tell. Oh wait, hold on. Shiny oh, thing over there. Yeah. <laughs> It'll come to you. I just love, I think what you have said also, Molly, makes me want to have more kids writing kids' shows or kids, <laughs> like content for kids. I feel like some ways that's, you know, you have to be an adult in order to make deadlines and things like that happen. But what what would that be like? What would that be like if there was more kids programming that was actually run by by children? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it might be the worst idea in the world, but (laughs) I'm curious. I would love to see what they would come up with. I feel like there's a couple great comics that are people drawing their kids' stories. Um, Yeah, it is. I think, and I think we all, I mean, it's like we also all were that age. So we are all, we all have like the little kid in our heart who is telling those stories. Um, Yeah, that was a lot of, a lot of in Dungeon Club this fantasy sequences are really trying to capture like what sort of stories the kids tell and um, what do they find really dramatic and exciting and funny. I remembered what I was going to say All right. on that note is that I appreciate what you said about um, Molly not trying to make like morality stories Mm -hmm. for children necessarily, because I think that like kids get lectured all the time (laughs) in real life, but they're smart thinking, feeling full on human beings. um, And I think that like to tell stories and to interact with them earnestly and like respect to respect their age and what they're going through. Um, I feel that in the story. Um, and I hope that kids get a sense of that too, when they're reading it, that it's not just like a lecture of like, be good to your friends, like, but more so to actually, um, acknowledge that we respect what they're going through and how they're growing. Um, yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah showing how hard some of these things are it is that was the hardest age of my life like absolutely and so I just like the 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 strength that you need and the strength that you develop getting through middle school and like what you have to it was a little like traumatic almost kind of mm-hmm. writing this book and sort of trying to remember like the bullying and stuff because I had had blocked it out so much but it, it it's just so people are so cruel at that age and you go through so much and um so yeah I think we both came at this book with like so much respect for the characters and just this understanding that like these are not little kid problems these are real problems that you are dealing with you are dealing with a bully you are dealing with friendship you are dealing with introversion and closing yourself off from the world and like those are problems that happen to everybody um and they're so intense often because they're experiencing them for the first time at that age and like it's it's easier to you know pick up the sword and fight off the monsters in your imagination Mm -hmm. but how do you utilize this bravery that you you know you have inside of you but how do you do that in real life in a way that you know is is earnest to yourself yeah there's this idea and legal Illegal. Right. No, no yeah. swords. Can't kill no them with swords a sword in real life. <laughs> 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 
There is something. I mean, because I I've been trying to communicate this to my to my kids too. In that they have this idea that that oh, once you become an adult, everything's fine, everything's easy. You know, oh, you yeah. you could do you could stay up all night. That's so great. Isn't life wonderful being an adult? And I think, I think what part of what draws adults to reading these types of stories is that it, it does it changes. It's not the exact same problems, but you're still dealing with bullies. You're still dealing with friendship problems and things like that. They're just different, and 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 and, and you know sometimes the stakes are even higher than they are in middle school, even though they felt really high in middle school, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's 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 important for all of us to realize that, hey, the skills that you're learning in this crucible that is middle school and, and playing D&D with your D&D club, you know, it's stuff that you should always lean on to and, and, and have uh, a support group uh, weeding me- meeting weekly in your, uh, in your, in your D&D lair. <laughs> group therapy slash D&D. Yes, right? exactly. <laughs> that helps. It really does help. But it I don't really think a lot, of, a lot of adults don't have those connections anymore because it's yeah. been like, oh, I'm an adult now. I, all I talk to is my wife or my spouse, and that's all it. <laughs> Must know. be serious and pay bills yeah. and not no games. And the connection to yourself and to your your dreams and like mm-hmm. your sides of yourself that you could imagine that are like not literally you, but are a version of you. Like that's just. I think that that is um, role playing and making making art and kind of like even like making OCs is just like that is this really beautiful exercise and just being like, who else could I be? What other minds could I put myself in? What other experiences could I imagine for myself? Um, that's, uh, yeah, it's just like such a, such a vital skill and such a, um, it's been like that kind of imagination has been so important for me in my, in, in my life. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a cool way to relate to people that you don't actually relate to, mm. which I think happens in the book a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the characters each have their own problems, but it's like, you know, there's there's places where their problems overlap, and then I think there's places where they're just different, but they have to be able to see, to, to actually understand each other's differences. Um, and maybe that can lead them to better things. Uh, but in, in book two and beyond. There you go. <laughs> I, I, that's very exciting that we're getting one from uh, Olivia's point of view, the DM. That's uh, going to be cool. I love a perspective switch. So, yeah, I think we'll, we'll get to see a couple different characters' perspectives in this trilogy. So great. I'm excited. <laughs> well, thanks both of you for being here and talking through all of our middle school uh, trauma and adulthood trauma. <laughs> Talk about group therapy. I know, right? I feel I feel <laughs> like I want to go play D&D right now. Uh, <laughs> so thank you. Uh, so yeah, uh, why don't you throw out where, well, we know this is going to come out on December 6th. It is uh, the Dungeon Club. It now. Roll Call is the subtitle for this particular volume um so yeah pre-order now i just pre-ordered it right before this interview actually so i'm excited okay. to oh. uh get it and it's, uh, wait is it it's roll call r-o-l-l right yeah. i feel like yes. okay, yes. Yes. A, roll of, a roll of the dice <laughs> you went back on and forth whether it is a roll of the dice or like a character the role that you play okay roll yes <laughs> it's a pun people keep up <laughs> Uh, so yeah Molly how can people uh, find out all of the amazing projects that you're doing Um, yeah you can find me on Twitter at Molly Ostertag and I have a Substack newsletter that um, I post uh, I update a little bit more with like drawings and an ongoing webcomic and that's it I think it's substack.com slash Ostertag but it's also linked on my Twitter so you can find it there excellent and Xanthi what about you 
Um, and you can find the occasional update from me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at XOXOBOMA. Um, and that's probably the only place that I very rarely update. <laughs> but I will whenever there's something for you to know about. <laughs> Uh, amazing. Well, thank you both for uh, creating this. And uh, yeah, like I said, I got a Christmas gift ready to go. Yep. Thank you. you thank I'm... you so much for having us. It was great yeah. talking with you. Yes, you too. Thank you. Yay. Great. Yay. Bye. Bye. I want to make a comic book now. I feel so inspired about after talking to Molly and Xanthi about their process and about <sighs> being a kid. Maybe I'll just start, you know, with just, stuff. Just, Play around with it. Just play around with it. It's so I just, fun. Meanwhile, I'm just going to flip through the pages of this this little PDF that I secured and just just look at the words, the pictures, the beautiful colors. It's really a beautiful book, like in every sense of the word. I love that. I can't wait. Yeah. I am going to uh, flip through those pages many, many times when December yep. comes. Yep. Yes. When December comes, <laughs> it feels. I felt like a Green Day lyric or something. <laughs> I think it 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 is. <laughs> I think it's September ends, but you know we'll go with December oh. comes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anywho, I am Greg Tito, and if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's Greg Tito, uh, and then Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. I got lots of pictures and dad jokes on there. I made a movie as well. I shot a movie called Ex-Husband. It's going to be out uh, hopefully very soon where you can actually watch it. But that, there's a what? fun thread on Twitter I took of all the behind the scenes of us making that movie. We're going to get to watch it soon? I think so. Well, I don't know. We'll do I've film got... festivals and stuff uh, before we do uh, everyone out there. But you can come to the film, film festival. Film festivals. Oh, my God. I know, right? This is so cool. I know. Speaking of which, Ryan Marth, who you may know as the voice of uh, making us sound better here on Dragon Talk, just created a short film, too, that is also in festivals. Let's check that yes, out. Yes, it does. So, um, I didn't make any movies. Uh, I used to make home movies, but I haven't made any movies. But if you still want to follow me, I guess you can do so at Shelly Moo, Twitter and Instagram. Sorry, no making movies footage. Like, Cool, Ryan and Greg. <laughs> well, now you have to. Now you have to start making some movies. I do have pictures of seals, though. That counts. Yeah. Did you see a seal here in Seattle? Oh, my. I saw millions in Hood Canal. Millions. Millions. They swam right under my paddleboard and, and <gasps> really? popped, popped their little heads up just feet away. I could see their whiskers. I could see the beads of water on their whiskers as wow. they just, like, stared me down, like, that's that's the sound I think a seal makes when it's considering you. Oh, oh. They're so cute. That's also the sound that I make. Oh. Oh. Are you a seal? I'm a seal. That's true. That's Inside. so cool that you got to hang out with seals. Yeah. I like seals. They're really, really, really amazing. Um, and they're here in the Puget Sound. Go, go say hi to them. But don't smile. Apparently, that makes them think that you're being aggressive because you're showing your teeth. Oh, gosh. Are you serious? That's what my daughters have told me. I couldn't stop smiling. Oh, shit. How do you not smile at a seal? You're lucky you didn't get attacked by seals. 
Or, oh God! Can you imagine? What a way if to that's go, the story man! That- what a way to go! What happened to her? She smiled. She on smiled. The, seal. <laughs> the last thing she ever did. Uh, she's like, I can see their whispers and their teeth going into my skin. Hi, you guys, you're so cute. <laughs> They must have learned by now that we're just nice people that we're want just to smile with them. Big goofballs. Yeah. Speaking of goofballs, what is Drunky no. Two Shoes up to? She's about she to. Is, she's walking out to the street where there's some activity happening. Having just consumed, I believe, two. And then a, a glass of sobriety or whatever it was. Yes. Which I'm gave- not paying for, let's be clear. He did not, not charge you. That. He did okay. not charge you. Uh, but yes, you had two drinks that bore your moniker, um, and they were very tasty. They were just like right Delish. up your alley. It's Delish. what you would have ordered if you were to order a mixed cocktail uh, on another plane of existence. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so the bartender had pointed you to the large uh, amethyst-colored, right now, amethyst-colored crystal that is in the center of this location um and said that you should you should travel there maybe they can answer your questions oh i thought i had to go like fight people oh no wait okay good oh wait there was a commotion that was happening outside right yeah right yeah Yeah. so he pointed you in that direction and uh you heard uh sounds of of fighting it felt like but you realized it was coming from um, a area that uh, has uh, several um, shapes rolling and uh, uh, using, they don't look like weapons. They, don't, they almost look like um, large pieces of sheet metal. Uh, and as, you, as you're kind of walking uh, in the direction, uh, you realize that it's um, uh, several contortionists and dancers in front of a impromptu performance. And it's quite oh. beautiful. You see people that are making all types of different uh, body shapes with their body, and then behind them, the sheet metal is like reflecting light uh, on them and giving focus to different lighters, but it's also making like a booming kind of clanging sound as they're shifting light. Amazing. And there's a small crowd kind of, uh, you know, stopping to watch this performance. Okay. Can I check out the crowd a little? Just keep an eye to see if there's anything unsavory happening here. Absolutely. Would you, how, how do you want to do that? Do you want to uh, just scan them with your uh, eyes or do you want to like go up and talk to people or? I'm scanning. You just, okay, so let's make a, well, your choice. You can do an insight or a perception. Oh, I am definitely, I'm pretty good at, I'm going to do insight. Insight. Okay. So yeah, you're kind of, Milling about the crowd, kind of checking out the general vibe a little bit more. I think those drinks went to my head. Only a seven. And a I just seven. want you to know that I have a plus five bonus. So not Ooh, great. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you're you're kind of swept up in the wonder of this performance. You're kind of looking at the audience, but your eyes constantly kind of go towards what they are performing. Uh, and it, at first you just seemed like they were just doing... Uh, tricks and, and acrobatics, but then you start to realize that there is that there is like a story being told of uh, a um, male dancer, very tall, uh, m- muscular, um, and is courting a uh, another male dancer. Um, and they're 
constantly in motion, and then the rest of the dancers are are, are, are supporting this kind of story that looks like uh, a very flirtatious back and forth between these two dancers. Do I recognize any of them? Anyone looking um, like Samson or uh, Daryl? I you mean, do you not never recognize okay. uh, any of the any of the faces, but you do realize that many of them have uh, all types of different um, skin tones and uh, bodily features. Um, none of them uh, have uh, are very furry, so there doesn't look like there's any tabaxis or, or anything like that. But they are, um, yeah. None, you you don't recognize any of them. Uh, I'm going to approach somebody who, uh, and just ask, what's going on here? Okay, so you see a, uh, a woman and her daughter uh, watching. You see a, a group of about four um, uh, halflings uh, uh, kind of chatting and watching this. And you also see uh, two gruff-looking um, mm-hmm. humans uh, that are wearing more, more black, more muted colors. I'm going to ask the woman and her daughter. The woman and her daughter. Okay. Yeah. So uh, she is kind of, you know, you see you're kind of like answering questions to her daughter who's constantly, it's like, you know, pulling on the skirts of the mom and be like, hey, what's up, mom? What's that? What's happening? Uh, And then, yeah, you walk up to them and they're kind of like trying to keep watching the performance as you're there. Hey, so what's going on here? Oh, uh, the the daughter says, we're watching a show. I know. I'm, me too. Well, I don't know what I'm watching. Who are these people? What, oh, they are uh, the dance troupe uh, Ostertag. <laughs> I love this troupe. Okay, this is normal. You've never this- seen them before? They're so great. They do all these amazing shows uh, each day here. I'm not from around here. This is my first time here. <gasps> mommy, mommy, she's not from around here. She's like, yes, yes, I know. There are visitors here sometimes. Are you from around here? Yes, of course we are. Oh, I thought this was like a, a transient place. I thought people just stopped through here. I didn't realize. Some do. You Some can do, live like here. yourself. Mm. But uh, we have lived here for many generations. Let me ask you I point to the bar. Mm-hmm. Do you know anything about this place? Oh, drunkies? Yeah. Oh, uh, I, it's been many years since I've uh, been there, but uh, that is where I met my husband. I really? like to tell that story. Oh, adorable. Yeah. Do you, do you know anything about the proprietor or the namesake? He is a very handsome man, uh, but he set me up uh, with my husband, as I said, so I'll, I'll never forget his face. Did his face look like my face? No, uh, it did not. Are, are you related to him in some way? I mean, it might be. Hmm. Was he a tabaxi? He was not, but we do sometimes see uh, tabaxi here, but uh, he was not anything. Uh, oh, yes, yes, dear, yes, of course. And they get distracted by the performance again. But you can continue asking questions if you want next time. Ugh, I do. All right, we will take it up. The we'll mystery continues. What happens next time?